You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And here's your host, Aram Layton. This is Locked On MLB Prospects, your only daily podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. As always, I'm your host, Aram Layton. I'm a minor league play-by-play broadcaster as well as a prospect writer and analyst. And in today's episode, we are going to go through part two of the top left-handed pitching prospects in baseball. That's going through numbers six through ten now on the top ten list. A lot of really talented arms and guys that can frankly pitch their way into that top five. You can make the case for every single player in this list if they don't graduate before that that they could make their way into the top five left-handed pitching prospects because all of these guys are incredibly projectable. Just many of them have either command questions or just truly lack that third pitch. So I'm looking forward to getting into it. If you enjoy the show, be sure to subscribe so that you can keep up to date with the latest interviews and the latest episodes, whether it's a farm system review, whether it's another position breakdown or a prospect highlight before they make their debut as we get into the season now, I will be all over that. And if you want to keep up, that's the best way to do it. And I really appreciate your support and your feedback in the reviews. So let's get into these top prospects now, starting with number six. And I know that I was kind of a downer on this guy when I was in the top five, but it was more so just to make the case for him not being in the top five. This guy is still incredibly talented and still could have an incredibly bright future and has one of the most lively fastballs from the left side that you're going to see in the minors or the majors. It's Tarek Skubal, the 24-year-old in the Tigers organization, likely going to start the season in their rotation again this year after getting his chance to make his Major League debut last year. He flashed some of what many who are high on him were hoping to see, but he also showed some of his vulnerabilities in those seven starts. The cumulative numbers, 5.63 ERA, 32 innings. He did strike out 37 walked 11, and gave up a whopping nine home runs. While Scooble may not throw as hard as some of the other guys on the list that we'll get to, like D.L. Hall or Garrett Crochet, his fastball's still lively in the mid-90s, but has high spin rates and also just explosive life out of his hand. He hides it well, and it's really difficult to hit when he locates it on the inner half to either righties or lefties, and he usually shows confidence being able to locate it on either side of the plate. That's a pitch that he has relied on heavily through his minor league career, through it nearly 70% of the time, which was something that was a red flag for me even when he got called up. I pointed that out as something that concerned me because there's not very many pitchers, starting pitchers in baseball, that can throw the fastball 70% of the time and see success. There's really none at all that can do that. And Scooble, he leaned on the fastball still a lot, but I think he was cognizant of that as well and tried to incorporate the secondaries a bit more in his major league debut, especially when he was falling behind guys. And that's the problem is when he was falling behind hitters, which would happen at times, maybe a little bit more frequently than he wanted. It's hard for him to battle back, especially against righties, because his changeup is just not a great pitch yet, but his slider is plus and quite nasty. Really good to left-handed hitters, it sweeps away, and when they're cheating out front to try to catch up to his electric fastball, he makes them look downright silly with the slider. But when he falls behind right-handed hitters, it's hard for him to climb back into the count. He has to either try to backdoor them with that slider, try to blow a fastball by him or get them to foul it off. And that's where hitters started to tee off was when he fell behind those right-handed hitters. And the numbers would reflect that. He was 
virtually unhittable in a small sample size against lefties. They had just a 345 OPS on base plus slugging 345, but righties a 905 OPS against Scooble with six home runs and just 56 at bats. That's absurd. Six home runs and 56 at bats. And that was because of the fact that he fell behind them, would try to blow the fastball by him. And that's where guys are able to square it up at the major league level. Maybe in the minors, he's able to get away with it a bit more. He had more even splits through the minors, actually was able to get righties out sometimes more than he was able to get lefties out. But at the major league level, you can't just lean on that fastball and blow it by guys like he did in double A. And boy, did he do that in double A in 2019. I mean, he had one of the best seasons or stretches I've seen in a long time for a pitcher in the minor leagues, 82 Ks in 42 and a third's innings. And I think when you look back at Scooble's story, it helps paint the picture of this guy and why at 24 years old, there's still a lot of hope that he will continue to get better. He was a ninth round pick out of Seattle University, always had some intrigue as a prospect, was drafted in the later rounds in the 20s when he was a draft eligible sophomore, opted to go back to Seattle and had a decent junior year that played him into a ninth round selection. His command was a major concern in college and a big reason why he was not selected earlier. He walked 100 batters in 206 innings. That is no bueno and you don't need me to tell you that. But he does get much better when he got to pro ball with that command only walked 41 in 145 minor league innings. So he showed improvement there. And even in his major league debut, the walk numbers were not nearly as bad as his collegiate numbers, but they did tick back up again. I don't know if it was as much of a command issue. More so, it seemed like him trying to be a bit too careful, especially against right-handed hitters, trying to climb back into the count with the secondary stuff, trying to nibble at the corners with the fastball because of the fact that righties were jumping all over him in hitters counts. I still think that Scooble has a really good shot to be a middle of the rotation starter. There's just a lot of variables here. He needs to find that change up to be able to get righties out. He needs to be able to command that slider a bit better. And I'd like to see him use the curveball because that would take a little bit of pressure off the changeup. You can steal strikes on righties, which I'll get to with some of the later guys that do a good job of that with a change of pace curveball. It doesn't need to be a great pitch, can just be average, but it works against righties. And that's easier to backdoor or steal strikes in a hitter's count than the slider at times. His slider's plus, his fastball's plus, and I think Scooble has a really high floor as a lights-out reliever. I always compare him to maybe a Josh Hader as he can go back to leaning on the fastball as much as Hader does, but the Tigers seem confident that he will be able to polish himself and polish his arsenal enough to be a middle-of-the-rotation starter. He is already 24 years old, but he is a little bit younger in terms of experience. This will be a big year for Scooble to prove himself, and the change-up is really the X factor for him. I think that he's going to have a much better year this year. I think he'll be competitive, but what I will say in terms of predictions, I made a wager with one of my buddies. I took the over on an even four ERA. I think he'll be over that, but he could still be competitive, striking guys out and keeping the ERA in the low fours, and I think you'll take that, and he can continue to build upon that as somebody who has great stuff and you just hope can continue to tap into what he has. The changeup really is the X factor. Next up, D.L. Hall. Similar story with the command issues, but I think Hall has a better feel for his arsenal already, especially the secondary stuff, which allows him to have more even splits. His K number's fantastic as a 20-year-old in high A. 80 and two-thirds innings, he struck out 116, a 3-4-6 ERA, 
walks 54, which was the big concern, and I'll get to. D.L. Hall, as I forgot to mention, with the Orioles, and the second piece of that pitching projection or the pitching rotation that they're hoping to put together around Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall. Hall, the question is just the command. You cannot walk six guys per nine innings and have success not even in the majors, you won't have success in double A. His ERA at 3.46 shouldn't have even been that high with the swing and miss stuff that he has. If you're striking out 116 in 80 innings, your ERA should not be that high. And he wasn't giving up a lot of hits either. Righties hit just 201 against him. Lefties hit just 167. I mentioned the even splits, which I alluded to. That's because his changeup is his best pitch. And he was able to throw that to both lefties and righties because of the bite that it has to it and because of his 70 grade fastball. He sits more in the 95 to 98 range with riding life. It's just disgusting to lefties, even though he's more of a sprayer, as one of my buddies Dustin likes to call it, meaning that he doesn't quite know exactly where the fastball is going, but it's so lively and explosive that he has confidence that he will just blow it by them. Working off of that elite fastball is that changeup, and the changeup plays up thanks to that elite fastball, but he does show a pretty good feel for it. Across the board, there's just the questions with the command. I think the curveball is an underrated pitch as well. Flashes plus some sharp bite to it and a lot more depth. It kind of blended with the slider before, but he was able to shape the curveball more and separate those two pitches. The slider is a good pitch to left-handed hitters that he can use at times just to change speeds and mix in a firmer breaking ball that's closer to the mid-80s rather than the curveball that is more in the high 70s. When D.L. Hall is on, he is as good as any pitching prospect in baseball. But the question is, can he find a way to repeat his mechanics more frequently? And he doesn't seem like the type of candidate that would lack some of the body control that he does because he's only six foot 180. He's athletic. You would expect him to be able to control the body and repeat the mechanics a bit better. I'm still holding out that he'll be able to do that. He's only 22 years old. And if he's able to even just be an average strike thrower, his stuff, his four pitch mix, his three potential plus pitches is enough to make him a number two starter in the big leagues falling back as a number three worst case scenario if the command wanes he yes he could be a bullpen arm similar to a lot of the guys on this list you could argue that almost every single guy on this list has the bullpen option to fall back on but you just don't want to see that out of a guy like dl hall and i know the orioles would be incredibly disappointed if that was the case he's got plenty of time to figure it out and i think he can but it'll be interesting to watch the command as we go into this season and just to see how he improved at the alternate training site that was a good opportunity for the guys that struggle with their strike throwing at the alternate training site to be in a more controlled environment. So we'll see this coming season how that was and if Hall was able to make the most of it this past summer. Real quick before we get into numbers 8, 9, and 10 and some honorable mentions, a reminder that this episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Why pay 20, 30, or 50% more from a chain store or a car dealership for the same auto parts when you can just go to rockauto.com and use their easy-to-navigate website to find whatever car parts you need for any make or model. The chain stores aren't looking out for you. It's always a headache. They upcharge you. The private mechanic, they're not looking out for your pockets either, but rockauto.com is a family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers on 
online for over 20 years. You just order it off the website. They ship it straight to your door. It's that easy and it's that much cheaper than the competition. Go to rockauto.com and let them know that Locked On sent you in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So let's jump into number eight now on the list. And this is where things got really difficult because you can make the case for a lot of different guys. Ultimately, I had to go with Garrett Crochet of the White Sox just because this guy has such a high starting point with his 80-grade fastball. And it's a true 80-grade fastball. If you remember in part one, I talked about Braylon Marquez's heater. Garrett Crochet's fastball is right there with him. Crochet is a very difficult guy to gauge because he was a late bloomer and just emerged onto the scene almost out of nowhere at Tennessee. He went to pitch for Team USA between his sophomore and junior year and really just had this shock factor of, I need to get in better shape. Look at all these guys around me. Grinded really hard his sophomore summer after that Team USA experience, put on about 15 pounds of muscle, really got more athletic, got more flexible, and all of a sudden he comes in to fall ball for the volunteers, throwing absolute cheddar, and then all of the MLB scouts catch wind of it and start flocking. He was lights out in his just several starts in the shortened COVID season. And that's what made him so unpredictable in this draft. He ends up going still in the early first round, 11th overall with the White Sox just betting on that heater and probably being a bit reminded of a guy named Chris Sale who had a similar build, 6'6", with lanky limbs and an electric fastball and also was a late bloomer. The question with Crochet is, can he really round out his arsenal to be a starter? We already know now that this guy could be a reliever today because he was a reliever yesterday, basically, in the 2020 season. He was the first guy since Mike Leake, who was probably one of the best collegiate baseball players at Arizona State we have ever seen but the first guy to make his major league debut straight from college without pitching a single inning in the minor leagues. Of course, there was no minor league season and Crochet probably would have pitched in the minor leagues had there been a season before getting the call up. But still, the premise of just going straight from college to the bigs. Yeah, he had a little bit of time at the alternate training site, but still the just phenomenon of that is absolutely crazy. And the fact that he was so good out of the bullpen made it just that much more fun to watch. His fastball averaged 100 miles per hour. Averaged 100 miles per hour from the left side. He threw it 85% of the time, but still garnered a 40% whiff rate, held opponents to 3 for 18 against it. He did not give up a run in six innings pitched, and there were some command questions. Super small sample size, but he did not walk a single batter in six innings pitched. He did mix in on occasion the slider, and I had to watch his full outings just to get a chance to see the slider, and I thought it looked pretty good. I think it flashes above average to plus already. He doesn't have a third pitch really because the changeup right now is just a slower version of his fastball, does not really have any fading action to it, is pretty firm, and is pretty straight, but I'm willing to wait out Carrot Crochet finding that third pitch when he has a fastball the caliber that he has. The difference between him and Scooble, who are pretty similar in the regard that they're both very fastball reliant, is that 
I think that Crochet's fastball is even more electric, which is hard to beat because Scooble's fastball is pretty special. And the slider might not quite be where Scooble's is, but I think it will be there. He's way younger, about three years younger, so he'll have time to just feel out the rest of his arsenal while Scooble's going to need to figure it out while in the big leagues a little bit more difficult. I think Crochet has the obvious fallback of being like a Roldis Chapman, basically. But the fact that he is already showing improved command of the fastball when he was at the alternate training site and in limited action in the bigs, has that slider already and just needs to work on the third pitch while he's in the minor leagues this next year. I'm going to be very excited to see how he improves and how he is able to develop his arsenal and now a full season in the minor leagues is what I presume he will do. I doubt the White Sox would stunt his growth by putting him in the bullpen, especially with some of the acquisitions they made, including Liam Hendricks. But I'm very excited about Garrett Crochet. He's really one of the guys that could end up being number two on this list if he puts it all together, maybe even number one if he puts it together. That's a question, but he's as physically gifted as anybody you're going to find in the minor leagues, let alone a left-handed pitcher. Next up on the list, I'm coming in at number nine with A.J. Puck another physical specimen and this was hard because AJ Puck has been really really prone to injuries but he is just too special and too gifted to leave off of this list 67 238 pounds and first let's get into the injury history so I can get the bad stuff out of the way and then talk about the good stuff he had Tommy John surgery in 2018 he then missed all of that 2018 season Barely pitched in 2019, did get a chance to make his debut, and then missed 2020 due to shoulder surgery. He looked really good before the Tommy John, and he looked really good after the Tommy John. 2017, his first professional season, after being drafted sixth overall in 2016, he struck out 184 in 125 innings. That's pretty darn good between high A and double A for your first year in pro ball. Tommy John in 2018, comes back late in 2019, through 25 innings, the A's were extremely careful with him across three levels, technically four levels because he makes his big league debut too, so through 36 innings, but across the three minor league levels, struck out 38 in those 25 innings, did walk 10, so there were some inconsistencies with his strike throwing when he came back from his injury. He always had a little bit of question around his ability to command the strike zone, but then in his MLB debut, looked really solid. His stuff was just hard to hit. His fastball is 80 grade, his slider is 70 grade, and his changeup is pretty solid. Above average feel, I'd give it a 50 to 55, and he's got a good change of pace curve to steal strikes. You consider that four-pitch mix and the fact that he has an 80-grade fastball and 70-grade slider. How many guys have an 80-grade fastball and 70-grade slider? That's just so impressive and still has a third pitch that is viable at the major league level and a fourth pitch that is arguably viable at the major league level, especially if it's your fourth pitch. You just mix it in here and there just a handful of times a game, and it's enough to keep hitters honest, especially righty. I mean, Puck at six foot seven, you wouldn't expect him to have that much strain on his arm, but for whatever reason, that has been the case. I loved what I saw from him out of the bullpen in his major league debut, but if he's going to be eight on this list, he needs to be a starter. Arsenal-wise, he has what it takes to be a starter. If you're running the heater up to triple digits and your slider is in the low 90s and you have a third and fourth pitch, I mean, you can be a starter at the major league level and a really, really good one. People were comparing this guy to Randy Johnson when he was getting drafted, and for good reason. Look at his body. Look at the fastball that he has. His intimidation factor as he towers on the rubber. There's just so many aspects to him that are reminiscent of 
the big unit, but just he needs to stay healthy. And that's the one thing that isn't reminiscent of the big unit who was able to stay healthy for so long. I'm very much hoping that AJ Puck can stay healthy this year. And I'm hoping that the athletics do, of course, take him slowly, but I do want to see them put him in the rotation. I want to see him at least try as a starter this year. If he runs into some arm issues again, then maybe you need to limit him into the bullpen. He's already 26 years old, but you got to try him out in the rotation. He's just too good to just relegate him to the bullpen at this point. I know there's injury concerns, but I need to see this guy in a rotation because he has the potential to be one of the better left-handed pitchers in baseball if he's healthy and is able to just pitch deep into ball games, sustain his velocity, and pitch deep into seasons. I know they're going to ease him into it this year, but that would be the goal in the next couple seasons. A.J. Puck, similar to Garrett Crochet, has a chance to be as good as anybody on this list, but also comes with a lot of variability, more so on the injury side. Crochet is more so on the just pure stuff side with the secondary, but I think Crochet will figure it out, and I don't know about Puck because I can't predict health, but in terms of his physical ability, that I have no doubts about. Real quick, before I get to number 10 and some honorable mentions that I think are some really high honorable mentions because you can make the case for several different guys at the number 10 spot. A reminder that this episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. There's no better place to wager then betonline.ag. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football season may be over, but you got NBA, college basketball, NHL all in full swing. Baseball, of course, on the horizon. But BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV. They have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the site and use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus with your initial deposit. That's promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus with your initial deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So let's wrap up this top 10 here, which is just such a talented list. And this guy, I think, is incredibly slept on. His stuff has continued to get better and better, and the delivery is just so hard to pick up. You pair that with the uptick and stuff, and Trevor Rogers squeezes his way into number 10 on the list. Rogers, former first round pick with the Miami Marlins, six foot five, 217 pounds, 23 years old, and the velo keeps rising. This spring training, he's been sitting at 95, was more in the 93 range in last season's MLB debut. I mentioned the funky delivery. He's 6'5 with the long arms, gets that extension, but releases from a low three quarters arm slot that makes it just so hard to pick up and also makes it get on your hands so quickly if you're a hitter, especially a left-handed hitter. You pair that with a very high spin rate right around the top 15% in spin rate in the league, and you got a recipe for a very difficult guy to hit. Also, Rogers' best out pitch is his changeup. So the changeup working off of the fastball is fantastic. Works exceptionally to both both lefties and right-handed hitters, excuse me. So the fact that he's able to throw that to righties and lefties is a big plus. And the slider, much improved for him. That was a pitch that was below average and one of my big concerns around Trevor Rogers. But he changed the grip before last season, and that helped him immensely. The numbers don't paint quite as rosy of a picture in his MLB debut. The ERA was over six. But if you take a look at Baseball Savant, 
basically every single metric, Rodgers is in the top 20%. He was very unlucky with a very high BABIP. He still racked up 39Ks in 28 innings. The big question for Rodgers in his MLB stint has been the command, and I think at times it just seems like he's nibbling a bit too much because in 2019, he was fantastic in high A. 110 innings, punched out 122, only 24 walks. But then he gets to the bigs, 13 walks in 28 innings. He showed the swing and miss stuff, but for whatever reason, it seemed like he was nibbling too much. And similar to Scooble, he needs to get ahead of hitters, especially because the fastball is his bread and butter. Rogers' changeup is a 60-grade pitch, and I think the slider, which was once a 45-grade pitch, is now looking more like a 50-55 to grade pitch. And in spring training so far with the uptick in velocity, has been even sharper. I think Rogers is incredibly slept on is funky, hard to hit, and will rack up a lot of strikeouts at the major league level. Big question is the command, and he's going to be solidified in the Marlins rotation. Right now, it's a competition for them for that fifth spot. Rogers looks like he's far and away leading with it, but don't sleep on Nick Knighter either, who has looked really good in spring training and has seen an uptick in his stuff as well. That's a right-handed pitcher that came over from the Mariners. A few honorable mentions, and this is a guy that I had to really debate whether he should go into the 10 spot, but I just bumped him out because of what we've seen from Rogers in 2020 and in spring training so far. But Ryan Weathers of the Padres, he has developed exceptionally well. He was perceived as a bit of a reach when the Padres took him in 2018. He had a decent season in 2019 with Fort Wayne and A-ball, where he pitched to a 3840 RA in 22 starts. He only walked 18 and punched out 90. Strikeout rate was a bit below average, but the walk rate was incredibly solid. He seemed like more of a crafty lefty that projected as a back end of the rotation arm. But in 2020, Ryan changed like the weather and showed up to summer camp throwing about 5 miles per hour harder with the heater, sitting 92 to 95. He was more like 88 to 90 before, and he was even grabbing a 6 and 7 at the alternate training site. So topping out at 97 after being more of a 88 to 90 guy is night and day. He got a little bit more in shape and just looked like a different pitcher. Good enough to earn him an opportunity to do something similar to Garrett Crochet. Records broken back to back. Weathers was given the chance to pitch out of the bullpen for the playoff Padres and did not look as good as Crochet. But still, that's a testament to the fact that they were so encouraged by what they saw from Ryan Weathers. I love pitchers that are forced to learn how to pitch because their stuff may not be elite earlier on, then they see a major jump in their stuff, and now you combine the fact that they have the feel for pitching with now much more elite stuff, and you can project those guys to be stars. That's exactly what happened with Shane Bieber, and I mean, look at that guy. Even Jacob deGrom, that's what happened with him as well. His stuff was a little bit better out of the gate, but as it continued to improve, he already was developing a really good feel to pitch, and then the stuff was just making it that much more ridiculous. I think Shane Bieber is a great example of that too, and George Kirby will be an example of that. When your stuff's not as electric, you got to be more crafty, but then you add more electric stuff, and you still have the craftiness. That's pretty darn scary, and I think Ryan Weathers could be that kind of guy, and it's just not fair that the Padres continue to just churn out ridiculous prospects no matter how many they trade away. Also, Shane McClanahan, another guy that got called up and got a chance to pitch out of the bullpen, electric fastball, questions around the secondaries, but I have trust in the Rays being able to develop him and get him to be consistent enough with the secondary stuff to be a middle-of-the-rotation starter. Another guy, Brandon McKay, health is the question with him, but he could be a really solid middle-of-the-rotation starter. Reed Detmers may be 
the highest floor guy you're going to see, but I'm pretty bored on his ceiling. But don't forget about Reed Detmers. And maybe one of the best honorable mentions as well is Adrian Morajon of the Padres. I feel like he's kind of faded a little bit in terms of the excitement around him just because the Padres have so many dudes and Weathers may have leapfrogged Morajon. But that's another guy with a good track record in the minor leagues and a good feel to pitch. That'll do it for part two of this top 10 left-handed pitching prospects in baseball. I hope you enjoyed this and it's always fun to go through some of the most exciting young players in the minor leagues and the future of this game. As always, thank you for listening and I look forward to talking prospects with you tomorrow.